0: chapter 26 of a king in babylon this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by ellen breggel a king in babylon by burton egbert stevenson chapter 26 i knew that jimmy allen had whispered those words to test her i knew that he felt her going and that he could have caught her if he wished but he never so much as moved a finger and for a long breath he stood quite still looking down at her then he bent and caught her up with sudden fierceness, and turned and faced us, and I saw that his face was aglow with triumph. It was as though he had won a great victory after desperate struggle, and he stood a moment so, holding her close against him with a sort of ownership, and looking around at us defiantly. It was Ma Creel who got her wits back first. "'Take her over to our tent, Jimmy,' she said authoritatively. "'We will undress her and get her to bed. The poor thing has been worked to death.' And she shot her husband an accusing glance. "'Come along, Molly. I'll need your help.' "'I half expected Jimmy to disregard the order "'and walk away into the desert with the girl in his arms.' "'But he didn't. Ma Creel was too matter-of-fact, "'perhaps to permit of any heroics.' "'At any rate, after the merest instant's hesitation, "'he walked quietly out of the tent, the two women after him. "'Creel drew a breath. "'Well,' he began, and ran tremulous fingers through his hair. "'We've got to go through all that again, it seems. "'Do you really think it's overwork?' he asked, turning to Davis no said the latter i don't it's an overwrought emotional state these fainting spells are clearly cataleptic perhaps she has had them all her life now she'll probably go off into a trance like sleep again it's something between her and jimmy i put in didn't you see how she clung to him didn't you see him whisper to her didn't you see his eyes just now creel nodded he's in love with her of course he said has been since the moment he laid eyes on her and she do you remember how she looked the first time she saw him i burst out you didn't get the effect of it as i did i never saw such loathing in a human countenance she said she couldn't go on creel explained to davis sprang to her feet and tried to get off the boat but it was too late the engines started just then and she quieted down in fact she sort of apologized afterward said it was nerves or something like that but i have felt ever since that away down in her heart she hated the sight of him yet she clung to him to-night i said feebly "'Davis was scrabbling thoughtfully at his beard. "'Then that is what the fight has been,' he said. "'And you think he has won?' asked Creel. "'He thinks so, anyway,' said Davis. "'But I'm not so sure.' "'By George, you're right,' Creel agreed. "'That girl has got the devil in her if any woman ever had. "'She'll strangle him in his sleep some night.' "'Yes,' assented Davis slowly. "'I feel the same way.' And then he stopped suddenly, for the tent flap was raised and Jimmy came in. If he had heard that last sentence he gave no sign. "'She's all right.' he said in answer to our look, sleeping like a baby. I feel dog-tired myself. I'll turn in if you don't mind. I thought I would study these hieroglyphs a while, said Davis hesitatingly, but if it will disturb you— Dynamite wouldn't disturb me, Jimmy assured him, and he sat down on his cot and began to unlace his shoes. Creel said something about having some work to do on the script and gathered up his manuscript and took it over to the property tent, where there was a table and a lamp. I sat down outside the tent and got out my pipe and lighted it, in the hope that Molly would smell it and come out. But she didn't, and at last, realizing how tired I was, I resolved to go to bed. I found Davis with his torch propped on a chair, bending over the coffin, intent on his study of the hieroglyphs. He greeted me with a nod so curt that it was the plainest sort of invitation to pass on. In the next cot Jimmy slumbered peacefully. On his side, I was glad to note, his back turned to the old Egyptologist. I passed on to the third cot, got out of my clothes, into my pyjamas, and stretched myself out luxuriously. It had seemed quite dark inside the tent as I came in from the bright moonlight, save for the reflected glow of Davis's torch, but as I lay staring up into the night I gradually perceived that it was not really dark, that the wonderful night outside penetrated the canvas with a luminous glow. How long I slept I don't know, but I awoke suddenly with a start, and lay listening with a strange sense of apprehension. I could hear someone breathing regularly at my left, so I knew Creel had come to bed without disturbing me. But from the other side I could detect no sound, and yet I remembered distinctly that when I first lay down I could hear Jimmy's breathing quite clearly. I peered cautiously in his direction, but the light was so dim I could not be certain whether he was there or not. I might have stretched out my hand and made sure, but I dared not. Something held me back. I was afraid of what my fingers might encounter." Beyond Jimmy's bed I could see the coffin rearing its great shape against the square of moonlight which marked the open tent flap. There was something sinister in the way its shadow fell across Jimmy's cot. Where was Davis sleeping, I wondered? Had he really rolled himself in his blankets on the ground in order to guard his treasure? But what was it he feared? What could happen to it? As I lay there staring at it, trying to muster courage to stretch out my hands into its shadow, it seemed to me that its painted sides began to give out little flashes of light, and a sort of phosphorescent glow gathered above its gilded top and hung there gently waxing and waning perhaps there was a phosphorescent quality in the gilt i had heard of such things or perhaps i shivered slightly where was it i had read that all decaying things possessed a certain phosphorescence i turned over impatiently and closed my eyes and resolved to go to sleep such imaginings were morbid it was folly to give way to them it made no difference to me whether jimmy was there or not suppose he was not there It was natural enough that he should have gone outside to smoke a cigarette, or get a breath of fresh air, yes, or keep an engagement for a meeting. Whatever the source of the phosphorescence, it was essentially the same thing, and absolutely harmless. But there, in the silence of the night, all my senses seemed preternaturally quickened, an odour of musk and spices drifted across my nostrils, in the stillness behind me I fancied I could detect a stealthy movement, a soft rustle as of a woman's gown. My eyes had snapped wide open again, and I lay there listening—listening, and a little stream of perspiration ran down across my temple, and dropped off onto the pillow. My heart was hammering in my throat. I could stand it no longer. I turned and looked. For a moment I saw only what I had seen before—the square coffin against the light of the entrance, the faint glow above it, the prickle of light along its side. And then my heart gave a sudden leap, for there was something else— above the coffin a grey cloud hovered a translucent cloud for it only dimmed the light behind it a cloud whose edges i could not distinguish but which nevertheless reminded me of a human form a cloud which wavered uncertainly this way and that and then against the light i saw distinctly the occupant of the coffin sit up i saw his head and shoulders coming apparently right through the lid a strange white shape but indubitably a man and I saw him hold out his hand to the floating cloud as though in welcome, and rise, and together they glided from the tent. And then Creel and Davis were standing over me, the latter playing his torch into my blinded eyes. Take it away, I gasped, and pushed the torch aside and sat up, and then from the farther cot I caught a glimpse of Digby's frightened face. What in heaven's name is the matter? Creel demanded. I thought you were being murdered. The mummy, I gasped. It, it got away. It— walked right out of the tent.' I saw the panic in Davis's face as he stepped quickly to the coffin and ran his ray of light over it. "'Nonsense,' he said. "'It hasn't been touched.' "'You were dreaming,' snapped Creel. "'Go to sleep again.' And he turned away to his cot. "'I wasn't dreaming,' I protested hotly. "'I was as wide awake as I am this minute. I saw the mummy sit up through the lid and hold out its hand to the cloud, and they glided away together.' "'Look here, Billy,' broke in Creel savagely, "'coming back and standing over me. "'Don't you go crazy, too. Two maniacs are all I can stand. "'I'm not crazy. "'I saw it, I tell you. "'And there was an odour of musk and spices "'and the rustle of a woman's dress. "'There is a faint odour of spices about the coffin,' "'broke in Davis. "'There always is. "'And as for the rustle of a dress, "'well, the breeze in the palms outside would explain that. "'But it won't explain what I saw,' I said. "'Besides, where's Jimmy?' For the light from Davis's torch had swept across Jimmy's bed, "'and we had all seen that it was empty. "'I don't care where he is,' said Creel, still more savagely. "'What you saw, if you saw anything, was that madman getting out of bed. "'Your heated imagination did the rest. "'I couldn't deny that it might have been that. "'I might have got my perspective wrong in the darkness. "'But I didn't believe it. "'And then there was the cloud. "'I saw Creel's gesture of exasperation when I mentioned the cloud. "'Anyhow, I think we ought to find Jimmy,' I said at last.' "'realizing the uselessness of argument, "'you said yourself, Professor—' "'Davis clicked his tongue impatiently. "'I know I did. "'Even I get infected with this foolishness sometimes. "'It's in the air. "'Well, I'm willing to take a look for him. "'I see there's no chance for sleep until we do.' "'I fumbled around and found my shoes and slipped them on. "'I'm going, too,' I said. "'And then, when we got outside, "'I was surprised to find Creel at my elbow. Three fools are no worse than two, he muttered. "'But he didn't meet my eyes.' "'We'll find that idiot sitting under a palm smoking a cigarette, and he'll laugh at us.' "'What the devil is that?' he added. From the direction of the native camp the night wind bore to our ears a sound as of a low crooning. It was little more than a murmur, but it rose and fell on a gamut of only three or four notes, in a manner inexpressibly weird. For an instant Davis was as startled as Creel, and I—and then I saw him smile. "'The natives have got a chanter at work to keep off the evil spirits,' he said. They have been uneasy since they learned I was going to open that inner tomb. Creel muttered something to the effect that they couldn't be any more uneasy than he was, but Davis only shrugged, and we walked on across the oasis. We saw no sign of Jimmy, and at last we came to the little slope right at the edge of the desert, on the other side of which the natives had pitched their camp. From the midst of it, clear and piercing, in spite of its subdued tone, came the chant. And then, as we topped the rise and looked down upon the camp, we saw the chanter, squatted on his haunches, and around him the sleeping fellahin. "'Let's have a word with the fellow,' said Davis. "'He may have seen our man.' "'We threaded our way between the natives, huddled in their cloaks and sleeping soundly, evidently with complete faith in the efficacy of the chant to ward off all things evil. And then we came to the chanter where he sat, with head thrown back and eyes fixed on the heavens. He turned his head with a jerk when he heard us coming, and the chant ceased abruptly. Then—' When he recognized us, he sprang to his feet and replied in a bated voice to Davis's brief questions. The latter motioned us away at last, and we followed him out from the circle of sleepers. Before we had taken the second step, the chant began again. Davis led us right to the edge of the oasis, then he stopped and looked out across the sands. He says there are ghosts abroad to-night, he said. He says they are dancing about the tombs. He says he saw them quite clearly when the moon rose, and that two from the oasis joined them. He stopped, and we all stood staring out at the group of mounds which marked the ruins. In my own mind I had not the slightest doubt that Jimmy was over there, and that he was not alone. "'Shall we go and see?' asked Davis abruptly, and peered into our faces. "'I shrank back. I didn't want to go. I regretted that I had insisted upon this wild adventure. I didn't want to see. I was afraid to see. But Creel was made of sterner stuff. "'Come on,' he said, between clenched teeth. "'If we are ever going to get to the bottom of this mystery—' Now is the time. End of chapter 26